0: Among the pine trees half forlorn And there on a sunny morning Little Jimmy Brown was born All the chapel bells were ringing In the little valley town And the song that they were singing Was for baby Jimmy Brown congregation, pray for guidance from above, lead us not into temptation, bless this hour of meditation, guide him with eternal love. There's a village hidden deep in the valley, beneath the mountains high above, and there To meet his love. Um, 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 um. All the chapel bells were ringing. Twas a great day in his life. Cause the songs that they were singing was for Jimmy and his wife. Then the little congregation prayed for guidance from above us not into temptation bless the lord this celebration may their lives be filled with love from the village hidden deep in the valley one rainy morning dark and gray a soul winged its way to heaven jimmy brown had passed away just alone bell was ringing in the little valley town, Twas farewell that it was singing to our good old Jimmy Brown, Jimmy Brown. and the little congregation prayed for guidance from above. Not into temptation May his soul find the salvation Of thy great
1: Good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of the Daily Diatribe Today is the 3rd of April in the year 2020 And we have a, you know, kind of a big topic to discuss tonight And I was kind of musing over this the other day Who is the worst person in all of history? Now, obviously, a lot of people, you know, pretty obvious answer. But the question kind of lies in, are the people who do the bad things, the people who enable the bad person, equally or even more to blame, because in many cases they did the unspeakably terrible acts uh, that that dictator ordered, whether it be, you know, Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, or any other Ruthless dictator throughout history. Uh so really who is the worst person? And to discuss this topic with me, I have my co-host, uh Red, say hello. Oh. And so this is kind of a question, you know, that I I've been thinking about all day and I've, you know, thought on off and on, you know, for the past few years really. And, you know, the conventional answer is usually, you know, somebody usually says Hitler or Stalin. And I, you know, they're probably right, or Mao Zedong, uh, for, you know, killing all those people. And then the question is, though, because, you know, if you remember after World War II, the Nuremberg trials, it was all the people who enabled Hitler. Because, you know, without the people enabling him, he just would have been, you know, a, a crazy man yelling on the street trying to sell badly painted postcards. Uh, same with, uh, Stalin. He would have just been a t- terrorist in, you know, the Caucasus without people backing him up. And, uh even the same with Mao. God knows what he would have done without people listening to him. So uh you know, and this is actually interesting, before the 1900s, it was conventionally thought that the worst person in human history was either the pharaoh or Napoleon. Uh yes, the, the biblical pharaoh, that one.
2: You know that guy.
1: Yeah, so the, there wasn't really a lot of, you know, discussion about it, but I would contend, you know, after after doing a lot of research that a certain man who led up, who didn't actually, you know, personally lead the Waffen-SS, uh, you know, there were actually a few candidates. One of them uh, were, you know, certain members of the Ustasha. Anta Pavlich was definitely up there on the list. Uh, Reinhard Heydrich, Heinrich Himmler were definitely up there. But then I got to somebody who was in a position of a mild authority, but really was, you know, an awful, terrible person when it came to, you know, Personal delight in abuse of humans and torture, and that is a man by the name of Oskar Dürilaveger, who is a was a brigadenführer in the Nazi army in the Second World War, and he was an interesting fellow because he was so bad, and and you know this is uh, you know something that will surprise you. There was an informal informal reward in the Nazi army if you could get this man killed. Whoa, he he was that bad he served in world war one he served in the spanish civil war and he died shortly after world war ii uh in fact the many historians have said that he nobody or they said very few could compete with his cruelty uh and this was a man who didn't have to do any of the uh murdering he was up there in the yeah the higher he was head of a legion he was head of a a brigade, and eventually he was head of a division, and he was actually in charge of putting down the Warsaw Uprising, which, you know, during the dying days of the war, the Warsaw Ghetto, there was an uprising by the, you know, the Jewish occupants and the Polish people to try to throw out the Nazis, and uh, it unfortunately failed because the Soviets wouldn't support it. But either way, uh, he was an interesting fellow because he, you know, was a horrible person an absolute you know inexcusably bad i cannot emphasize how bad of a person he was uh he you know what did embezzlement he was then imprisoned for rape of a 14 year old girl and then he you know and then you know he was he did so many bad things in his personal life that in nazi germany they stripped him of his job his doctorate title and his military honors and kicked him out of the nazi party that's how bad this was. And this, oh. was and this was before the war started uh and so then they released him from prison he got you know same thing they arrested him for the same thing and they sent actually they sent him to a concentration camp uh and then he actually got out uh he was released and reinstated into the SS you know the group of murderers uh because he had friends that were still in the SS and were friends of Himmler and so he got promoted and then during world war 2 this is actually kind of interesting because they gave him command of a whole brigade. Uh, it originally was battalion, but what they did is they gave him command of a brigade of prisoners, uh, and other people who had been put in prison for similar things. Uh, they actually, you know, criminals in the military concentration camp, inmates, mental asylum patients. Uh, so it was, you know, kind of a ragtag group of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, he was, you know, just unspeakably. And so I would actually like to nominate him for—because not, not a lot of people know about him. And I think that taking a view about the worst person in history by making it a dictator or, you know, some political figure, that it really kind of loses the personal touch about how bad these people really were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because in the case of, you know, Hitler or Stalin, these people were kind of, you know, fumbling with lists— and so it makes you think about more about it, like statistics. You know what I mean? Uh, and so what he actually did is he operated a. Uh, he would round up inmates, prison inmates, uh, that were not really guilty of anything except being, you know, not German. Would round them up inside of a barn and then set the barn on fire. You know, really bad, oh. guy, really bad guy. And he and somebody actually wrote a yeah. book about him called Masters of Death. Uh, and that, that, that really,
2: I feel like sh- I'm giving him too much credit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, you know, th- this was just the worst guy. And so it was estimated that he, uh, his brigade, or maybe him personally, I don't know at this point, had killed 14,000 people, uh, which may not seem a lot in the, in the, in that specific instance, but that was between May and June of 1943. Uh, and then in 1944, they said that he killed 40,000 people in two days, uh, burned three hospitals. He, you know, the worst man, worst man in history, uh, you know, killed another 30,000 people. Uh, a Nazi advisor, a, a Nazi general, you know, a full-blown Nazi general, Heinz Guderian, wanted to get rid of him because they thought it was, you know, unbecoming of the Nazi army. Uh naturally, Hitler actually thought he was doing a great job because
2: oh know,
1: and gave him a medal and you know, it was it was actually at
2: unbecoming. a certain point you just become a cartoonishly bad person, I mean, and I think this like guy has him. reached it ten times over.
1: I, absolutely, and uh, it's actually you know, and he met a you know a fitting end is that when he because he was so infamous by the, by the end of the war, that when he was arrested, the, uh The people who were guarding him, who were former uh, Polish, you know, army men, just killed him. Uh he, you know he probably had it coming at that point. I would definitely say, Uh but you know, just worst guy. I cannot emphasize how bad this man is, and he deserves more scorn and a more ire of history. Obviously, there are a lot of people who do uh, have that amount of research and have, you know, tried to expose it, but I think that it's necessary to talk about people like Oscar Derleweger because of how bad he is. Because I think, when, as I previously said, when we talk about, People who are politicians or political leaders doing bad things, we often think about it in terms of, you know, lists of people sitting at desks, of people making decisions, you know, that affect things far away. And so I think it's important to research figures like Derleweger and people, you know, like Ante Pavlich and people uh, like the Totenkopf and the NKVD and other, you know, terroristic police or state organizations So you really understand the, you know, the human contact, the human cost of what these people are doing, because I think that in this day and age, it is important that we not forget these things, because, you know, in, we're already at a time where more than 100 years has passed since the First World War. And by 2045, which, you know, is only 20 years from now, it sounds like a long time, but it's not, it will have been 100 years since the, you know, the end of the Second World War in 25 years which, you know, may not think of a lot, but that means it's about, you know, 75 years old now, which means that the people who would have to fight in it if they were 18 years old would have to be at least 88 years old, so we're going to run out of veterans pretty quickly. And so I think it's important to study figures like this so we remember when all of the veterans and all of the uh, victims of these tragedies are gone, uh, that we still have that kind of link, because he he was a... uh, a man who functioned even in the First World War and did, you know, terrible things in the First World War as well, uh, and so I think that it's important. You know, we continue to study things like that. Now, on to a different topic, but still a still we're not we're not now back to today, which is of course comparatively, I guess, comparatively uplifting, but still definitely not uplifting. So, uh. I have not actually heard anything, you know, new in the news today. What about you? Are you still there? Am I not speaking into the mic? Gosh darn, I think we've lost the connection. Either way. Either way. I guess something I would like to say is that, uh... You know, on a much more positive note, I have recently contacted a friend of mine, and we might have him on the show in a few days. So that'll be interesting, you know, get another new perspective. I remember, uh... We often—or we had for one episode—I was going to say often because I ended up talking to him a lot. A friend of mine named uh, Lepp who came on here, and we had him talk. And so we're going to have another guest in the next few days. Uh, you know, on a similar historical topic, because we were discussing history, uh, it reminds me that we dealt with the Spanish flu a little bit, you know, about 100 years ago. And that the media—not the media, the state propaganda apparatus of every single country in the First World War was so focused on the war— that they covered up and suppressed all news stories of the Spanish flu, which was why it became known as the Spanish flu, because of the decentralization and relative inefficiency of the Spanish government to kind of contain news reports. Everyone thought that, you know, the flu was just, you know, ravaging through Spain and killing everybody in Spain, even though it was, you know, kind of happening around them. But everyone was so focused on the war and what was happening during the war. I mean, obviously, you know, it's war. Uh, they didn't notice a lot of this stuff. And so the Spanish flu actually ended up killing, you know, 50, 50 million people, something like that. Uh, but it was interesting because on, uh, you know, January 1918 to February, tw- or yeah, December 2020, or not 2020, 1920, hopefully we don't get there again. But the Spanish flu had about a 10% death rate. And it is, you know, a strain of H1N1. There was uh, the swine flu epidemic we had a few years ago uh, in 2009. Uh, 22,000 Americans died, where I think we're already up to 10,000, which, you know, is very bad. And so I think that definitely we need to refocus our production on gas, or not gas mask, ventilators and masks and things like that. And so it's also important right now to remember that in China right now, the state propaganda apparatus, because getting back to that, how it worked in, uh, you know, getting back to how the state's propaganda apparatus of every state during the First World War and into the 1920s tried to repress news of the Spanish flu. The Chinese government right now is suppressing news of coronavirus. In fact, uh, Chinese newspapers and Chinese official state media are actually promulgating the rumor that coronavirus started in America, which, you know, is, in my opinion, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's not something that we should take lightly. I think that for a very long time, we've allowed authoritarian regimes to kind of get away with things, uh, just just because we depend on them economically, such as, you know, the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia, uh, China. And, you know, most of our allies, you know, thank God, are, you know, Western democracies. Uh, You know, Canada, for example, is a friend of America. Uh, The United Kingdom and France are friends of America, you know. They don't have this kind of same type of repressive state propaganda apparatus. But we have to remember that there are countries in this world uh, that definitely would be considered you know, repressive authoritarian governments. And I think we have to acknowledge that China is a huge one of them and that China is really America's biggest opponent on the world stage today, even though we do a lot of trade, because I think we've actually exposed during this coronavirus crisis that we are not prepared that the United States is not prepared for another outbreak because we've learned that all of our masks and almost all of our ventilators are manufactured in China. And the masks and vents that we are importing right now come from China. They're being made in China. They're being processed and manufactured in China, which in my opinion is totally unacceptable. We know China is lying about their numbers. We know, I mean, since we have 10,000 right now, you, you can only imagine how many China has. I would say upwards of at least two or three hundred thousand. Uh, it's been really, really, you know, hard to follow. But uh, before we actually got out of school, so that was a few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine pointed out to me that you know, in Hong Kong, where they have a little bit of a freer media, that a man who runs a crematorium, a very large crematorium in Hong Kong, has been ordered by the government to keep the crematorium running instead of he had it run eight hours a day, four or five days a week normally he was ordered to run the crematorium he was ordered to number 1 turn up the heat so to cut down the time of the actual cremation and then he was ordered not to have it open five six days a week but seven days a week 24 hours a day so you know more than th- three times of what he was originally doing cuz 8 hours a day for 5 days a week to 24 hours a day 7 days a week so three times the amount per day and you know a few more days every week and he was actually very concerned about it you know You know, God thank him for his bravery, for talking to, uh, you know, making that known to everybody else in the world. Because I think that we need to take that kind of thing into account when we are worried about what China will do next. Because I believe that China would not—I'm not going to say they're going to, you know, do biological warfare and purposefully ship coronavirus on these masks— but, you know, it's not something I would put past the Chinese regime. The Chinese regime is not, you know, not as popular as I would, as, you know, you'd think it is because you go into inland China, and this is something, coastal China is much more prosperous than inland China. Inland China is still suffering from the effects of collectivization the same way collectivization harmed the inside of the Soviet Union. We know it's doing the same thing, ravaging the inside of China. The other thing is, doing trade with China is almost hor- wholly morally inexcusable because we know that China currently has under internment at least three million Uyghurs. The Muslim population from Xinjiang uh, over on the uh, western part of China near Kazakhstan and the other astan countries, we know that they have taken them into captivity and are at best treating them poorly and at worst committing a sort of genocide. I would not be, you know, I would not be surprised if they were committing a genocide. And so for that reason, it is morally, ethically, in whatever way you want to slice it, inexcusable to entertain or trade with or, you know, talk to the Chinese government because we know that the population of Uyghurs in Xinjiang has declined. It used to be about 80 or 90 percent Currently, it's about 50%. It's about 50%. Or actually, it's, it's it's actually declined since I last look. Uh, looked. Look, it is now only 45%. 45%. And so the Han Chinese population has grown to 40.48%. And the Kazakh population is still, you know, 6.8%. And the Hui population, uh, which is loosely related to the Uyghurs, are... Four and a half percent, others comprise about three uh, percent. And so, we know that there is definitely something suspicious going on, and we need to kind of expose that. I think it is our moral duty as America to expose that because even though China is a very powerful country and controls a lot of our economy, we cannot allow ourselves to be kind of held hostage on this issue of human rights because it is America's duty and the duty of the world to expose human rights abuses wherever they lie. And this is not just, you know, a human rights abuse on a small scale. This is the potential of a genocide, a genocide, a purposefully targeted racial and ethnic genocide that is not, that is probably on par size-wise with the Armenian genocide on, you know, another thing that more countries should recognize because, you know, a lot of countries don't recognize the Armenian genocide out of, uh, kowtowing to Turkish dictator uh, Erdogan, so we have that. We know that right now too. Is that there have been times? There is a time right now, the Armenian genocide, where countries refuse to acknowledge a genocide because they want to still trade with or entertain or be friends with a certain country. And you know that's, that's really kind of assuming. awful. There, there you are. You have returned. Your audio cut out a while ago.
2: Oh dang.
1: Yeah, I thought like yeah, I thought you were gone. Either way. Your thoughts on the large rant that I have gone on just generally.
2: Um well, I mean we uh, we've talked about her on um a previous episode, but um the one girl on TikTok, um her name is um Aziz Haroza, and she's the one who talked about um what was happening with the um the Uyghur Muslims in China. And you know, good on her. That's like that's such a, like a brave and good thing to do. And frankly, I think, like, we should see a lot more of
1: that. You know, I, I agree. And we got to remember that they took, they being the Chinese government, took that video down because TikTok is owned by the Chinese and government, is owned and operated. So when you download that app or you post something to that app, your data is going right into the database of the Chinese government. They are watching you, like Big Brother in 1984 uh, and we have to recognize this, is that China is not our friend. China is worse than the Soviet Union. I'm just going to say that. Worse than the Soviet Union. Because the Soviet Union had one thing going for them, and it's that they stopped Hitler. That, that's pretty much it. Like, other than that, the Soviet Union had really nothing going for it. Uh, other than the stopping Hitler thing. Uh, considering that China is both, you know, this kind of communist worldwide opponent like the Soviet Union... And committing an ethnic genocide like Nazi Germany really combines it into, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, like a supervillain, uh, taking you know the worst aspects of you know regimes and evil countries throughout history and just combining them into a, a state that is somehow simultaneously both corporatist and capital or corporatist and communist, uh, a state that embraces collectivization hurting the farmers and causing people to starve to death while simultaneously embracing, uh, you know, production over all else. So I, d- I don't really know how you get the worst of both worlds, really, and, and combine them there. They're supposed to be mutually exclusive, corporatism and communism, but you have them there in China. Uh, and then you have, you know, the genocide of the Uyghurs and removal of other populations. Like, we remember in Hong Kong, you know, I, you know, it seems like ages ago, but I think, was that actually the end of last year?
2: No. Yep. Oh, I don't remember.
1: I feel like that feels like it was years ago, but, you know, it...
2: How did that even resolve?
1: I don't... I mean, it resolved. I mean, the last thing that we heard about it, I remember, was, you know, the last thing that everyone really heard about it was that the anti-Beijing parties got, like, 90% of the seats in Hong Kong's elections. Uh, And there was something interesting about Hong Kong is that, you know, since it was a British colony, it kind of has a rooted spirit of democracy, a, a tradition, uh, because it was leased to the British for about 100 years, uh, this kind of tradition of democracy and a certain amount of political freedoms that, where they were granted under the British Empire. Uh, and it was actually kind of weird because it's one of the few places in the form of British Empire that is actually asked the protesters, you had some of them waving British flags because they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to being part of the British Empire because what they were in was, you know, even worse, Uh, than being, you know, a colony, which I guess they really kind of are under the authority of Beijing. They're being repressed. uh, You know, they were being arrested. And so, you know, I think that that deserves further study is how many, you know, how has that been resolved in Hong Kong? I'm sure things are, you know, completely cracked down now. I'm sure nobody's protesting anymore because, you know, of the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, just checking it. And this is actually interesting. Uh, Hong Kong official reprimands TV station who, over World Health Organization interview, that mentioned Taiwan. Uh, and then, this is actually interesting. It says, Hong Kong's prison-like coronavirus quarantine camps. Oh boy. I, I always get concerned when I hear China and camps. Because China, you know, as I previously stated, is doing something on par, probably size-wise with the Armenian genocide and probably something perhaps even like the Holocaust. uh, And it's really a shame that we as a world have kind of sat by and just watched it happen. uh, And so I think there are probably a lot of people being murdered, a lot of people being killed. uh, And The Guardian, a British newspaper, I think, British I don't know but either way it says that China is using them at labor camps and so that's that's a bad oh, sign
2: no. yeah
1: that's always a bad sign when you know you have it says at least at minimum they think that there are 80,000 Uyghurs working under conditions that strongly suggest forced labor on uh, and that's just some from the detention centers to factories across China and so, and says they make stuff for dozens of global brands. So you know, that that concerns me. That's a kind of thing that concerns me, because we know then. Oh yeah, this is this is terrifying. It says, in Sing, where as many as one point five million people have been sent to re-education camps, and people say that it's likely far higher in the in the forced labor camps to be far higher than eighty thousand. So we know that, and so. It's interesting that we as a world and that america is just kind of we've sat idly by because we like having cheap plastic crap from china made very cheaply we like having that made cheaply everyone wants their you know their plastic crap from china to come to them at you know 49 50 cents uh no matter really where it comes from i think we've seen that with bricks we've seen that with shoes uh You know, ever since I think sixth grade, because we read a we read a book in sixth grade that was really you know like the most depressing thing I've ever read about child labor in India, Uh, and from then on I've only worn shoes that explicitly don't use child labor in it. Also, actually ended up working out nicely because I need inserts in my shoes, and those are the ones that are actually best made for inserts. But I use shoes that don't involve child labor because Nike Nike has been you know you know really bad with this, and so people have actually. Posed that America needs to do something. We actually need to stand up. Uh, the UK has been. People have called on the UK to stand up. Uh, and it says, in China, this is actually interesting. They, they, the order has been given. This was in 2019, so I'm actually concerned about how many. Uh, okay, you know, not not to get into conspiracy theory land, but I'm looking at a lot of articles from late 2019. You see. Right before this started, right before all of this, you know, coronavirus hit the fan, okay? And you see before the coronavirus outbreak that a lot of people around the world were talking about mass sanctions of China for their treatment of the Uyghurs, uh, because there's an, there was an order given at the Chinese prison camps to allow no escapes, which means, you know, if somebody's trying to escape, you shoot them. They said at least a million people are in there. At least a million people from that Islamic minority are in these concentration camps. Uh, and so that that's kind of scary to think about that right before the whole coronavirus outbreak, people were talking about sanctioning China for reprimanding them for these odious, genocidal, unhumanitarian actions that are completely morally reprehensible. And then this whole coronavirus thing happens, and then we're no longer thinking about that. It's kind of out of mind, and so, possibly a warning shot fired by China, but I won't... I won't go down that rabbit hole. It's possibly, you know, just one of those things that they call a coincidence. Uh, but I'd really find that hard to believe. Uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked about China, I think, after this is all over. Uh, which, you know, who knows when it'll be over, really? Who knows? Uh... I wonder when it will be over. Uh, August, do you think, was it they said August? Uh, I don't know. Because I remember, like, a few weeks ago, I know it's at least four more weeks we're stuck in quarantine. Uh, But I think we know that, is that uh, China is committing crimes against humanity is a ruthless authoritarian dictatorship and is very likely committing a mass ethnically-centered genocide. And, and actually, this is interesting. Al Jazeera, the news website, has published an article about a month ago that said, don't forget the Uyghurs amongst the coronavirus crisis, which is a good point. The world, It says, the world has been indifferent to the flight of Uyghurs leading to some to claim that coronavirus may be, you know, a punishment. Uh, and so it's actually concerning to me that we have not done anything. If China, you know, the difference between China and Nazi Germany at that, you know, that kind of point, because we're still at the early stages of this, would be that China isn't, you know, invading its neighbors, which, you know, God knows they want to invade Taiwan. God knows, you know, they want to probably annex North Korea into their greater kingdom. And they have a lot of borders disputes with india uh kazakhstan and even nepal and bhutan so if they start invading their neighbors they're going to start looking an awful lot like you know germany did at the start of world war ii uh with the same kind of thing except i don't i honestly don't know if uh, our world leaders today have the guts to take on china and they really should because even at the cost of the gdp even at you know other costs It's important that we stand up for the ideals of democracy and freedom and justice across the world, even if it's dangerous. And I think a lot of people forget that, is that our freedoms that we enjoy in America, you know, are constantly— they're always at risk, is that, you know, liberty must be defended every generation. And, you know, I'm concerned about, you know, another large authoritarian dictatorial regime— that may that has expansion as priorities that is committing an ethnically targeted genocide. This has really been a really depressing episode, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I, I'm going to give you the next six minutes to mention something happy.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> da, 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 I'm
2: trying to think because everything has kind da. of been awful.
1: Everything has kind of been awful that that's that's true. Sort of. Well, have you been to Zoom school yet? Zool, have you been to Zool?
2: I have not. Our school hasn't an- announced their plan for uh, online learning yet.
1: I slept through a class this morning. <laughs> oh, boy. I-, I set an alarm for 8.35. Do you know what time I woke up?
2: It's time you wake up.
1: I woke up at 10.
2: Ooh.
1: Either I slept through the alarm, which is impossible because I put the I put the thing on maximum volume. And I, so I don't think I slept through it. I, I just, I don't know what happened. I, I think I think it didn't could go have off.
2: like You could have like snoozed and then forgot.
1: I, I turned the snooze off, which is the best part. So I don't know what happened. It just decided, it, it's going on strike. Uh, perhaps the, the Chinese government heard me p- talking poorly about them and has decided to do that. Uh, either way. Must be
2: silenced.
1: <laughs> Must not get up. Uh China. You know, that's kind of what I've been talking about recently. And, you know, God knows, thank God we're not, you know, a big important thing or else, you know, they'd probably be out to get us. But, uh, you know, just in other news, Zoom school, really weird, in all honesty. I have homework due tomorrow because of Zoom school. I have homework due on Saturday. Uh, because oh, man. Of, Because of Zoom school. I'm glad that it's the weekend, though. I'm excited for the weekend I, because it means I don't have Zool. Uh, and maybe I get to do something fun. Uh, like, I don't know, walk outside for three seconds. Uh, a lot of people have been walking around my neighborhood and it just you know, kind of seems stupid to me, but whatever. Uh, not like walking alone, like walking in groups. And I'm like, uh, that's that's not helping. Uh, so that's just relatively unfortunate in my opinion that we're just kind of living in a, such a constrained time. I miss going out and seeing people. I miss going to you know friend's house. I miss going to school. Uh
2: Zool just doesn't cut it.
1: Yeah, Zool just doesn't doesn't cut it. Or maybe we should start calling it Diet School.
2: A <laughs> uh, school light.
1: School school without anything that makes school enjoyable. Uh, just
2: school, but only the bad parts and new bad
1: parts. I mean, kinda. I agree with you. Uh, what, what is this? Oh, I have to. Oh yeah, I have to do. Oh church, church, yeah, because next or this Sunday is Palm Sunday. Uh, oh yeah, it is. And so I we I get to zoo, Zoom church. I'm not going to call it Zurch. I have I have too much respe- <laughs> I have too much respect for church to call it Zurch. Uh, I've
2: done it twice now.
1: Okay, you know I, I don't even know anymore. Either way, uh, I'm excited to do that. I think, as you know, this is a reminder to everybody. Oh, you were supposed to remember this. We're supposed to tell people to like and subscribe. But that kind of would have seemed inappropriate.
2: Oh, it felt inappropriate when we talked about did, the
1: in It did kind of feel inappropriate. I retract that comment. Regardless, now I'm going to remind everybody. Not because not we're near the episode, just because I just remembered it. Either way, uh, it's been kind of interesting. Because I think that time flows weirdly now. Uh, I don't enjoy... Uh, you know, what's kind of been going on. I I miss everything being normal. I'm sure a lot of people miss everything being normal. I'm not the only one. And at the same time, I'm also concerned by the amount of deaths we've seen from the coronavirus. That is really concerning. Uh, and the other thing that I think that we're going to uh, see in the future is I think a lot more people are going to want to go outside in the future. Uh, you know, as soon as this is over, I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, you know, Maybe, you know, we should we've taken this for granted. Why don't we go outside mm-hmm. or
2: something? So, yeah, once I'm hoping during the summer, like the stay home thing will be lifted so I'll be able to like, you know oh, go places.
1: So Blockbuster, if you hear us, now would be a good time. Uh <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I feel like the the uh the novelty of going out and renting a movie might just be enticing enough at this point to actually get people to do it.
2: They yeah, have a video rental service in my hometown.
1: See, is is it is it is it a former blockbuster?
2: No, it's called Family Video, and all they sell now is CBD.
1: Wait, they sell cannabis? Yes, I'm sure
2: they also sell like movies, but no one cares about that. They don't even advertise in movies. Wait, so anymore. it's called it's-
1: Family Video, and they sell marijuana now? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: What's the world come to what is the world come to uh well that that took a weird turn uh regardless <laughs> I, I would actually like to continue that my plea to blockbuster video if you're out there because i know there is still i think there's like two in alaska and one in oklahoma left uh
2: here our and- plea just, don't just sell like drugs
1: <laughs> yeah so all the video stores <laughs> now would be a good time for you to come back in all honesty uh, I think people, I mean, honestly start selling video player players again on. Honestly, I thought of this I was thinking about this last night. You know what video stores should do now they should hold public screenings like drive-in style. So you don't have to get out of your car. Cause you know, coronavirus. Ooh, um,
2: i I am, I for one support the, um, support the revival of the drive-in.
1: Yeah. Improvised drive-ins from your local blockbuster. If there still is one on uh, or lo- local video store, as long as it's not one that sells cannabis, uh, so i i think that that you know i think people would appreciate that right about now Uh, and i think you know as soon as this is over if the five remaining video stores and blockbuster and their five remaining stores so all 10 stores will see you know a a big spike because i think people will say you know there's something novel about this and i remember growing up you know i'd go to my grandparents house every weekend and i would always rent a movie always rent a movie from Blockbuster and then that Blockbuster went bankrupt and then we used Redbox. Uh,
2: I've never used Redbox.
1: It, it's like Blockbuster except not fun. Uh, <laughs> but, I you know, I thought there was something... It's disappointing
2: Blockbuster.
1: I thought there was something novel about going and getting a DVD and bringing it home with, you know, a pack of, I don't know, microwaved popcorn or uh sweet and sour patch or whatever right you know i think yeah. there was something novel that our our society has lost with each with each uh you know leap and bound of technology i think there always is something that we lose something like that something personal cuz you know that involved for- that involved talking to people you would go to blockbuster you would see people
2: mm-hmm. for me i've always wished that i lived in like the 80s or 90s but like I I didn't like go back there, and I just never knew what modern technology was like. Because if I never knew about it, I wouldn't miss it, and that's, I'd be fine.
1: That's actually a point for any age, because if you if you were born in that age and don't know anything other than that age, you know that you or at least you think that you know that that's the pinnacle of technology up until that point, right? Right there. Uh unless you lived in the beginning, and I'm not going to call them the dark ages because they were not the dark ages. People, people. <laughs> People think the Dark Ages were really bad. And yeah, they were bad, but they weren't worse than the time before. Like, everything just did—nothing nothing got a dark filter and everything sucked. I know People say that because, you know, because of the massive influence that, you know, Christianity had over the era. But in all honesty, it was just right after the collapse of the Roman Empire. And so people call it the Dark Ages for no reason. Nobody can actually give me a valid reason why it was called the Dark Ages other than the fact that people wanted to, like— make it seem like you know rome was you know all that you know what i mean that rome was you know all that and then it just died but no rome had been an ailing weak sick empire for like 100 200 300 years before uh and so it's collapse rome's eventual western rome because i know eastern rome didn't collapse until don't tell me 1453 i'm gonna say 1453 if i'm wrong somebody in the comments tell me but 1453, you know, which is actually really weird to think about, just to put in perspective. The Eastern Roman Empire was around until 40 years before Columbus found the New World. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> they missed it by 40 years. The Eastern Roman Empire missed the discovery of the New World by 40— And yes, I know Columbus didn't discover the New World. I know it was Lee Ferrickson, but I don't need any of that. He didn't stay there. He just kind of left, mm. or died there. He didn't colonize it. So, either way, uh, I guess now that we've gotten onto slightly lighter topics—not not really, actually. Now that I have mentioned Columbus, because I know he's controversial now, and uh. for good reason, actually. You know, he did kill quite a few people, uh, but so did Lee Ferguson, and so did a lot of people. And uh, but that doesn't make it right either. So, uh, I don't even know. I don't even. But there there are people worse than the Columbus. Like uh what what was his name? Not not Torquemada, not Torquemada, not not the Spanish Inquisition guy, who was also pretty bad. Uh Sepulveda. Yeah, Sepulveda, the Spanish colonizer who thought that the natives weren't humans. Uh, uh
2: now we're on the worst person topic again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we are. Sepulveda actually ranks pretty high. Because, you know, being, you know, relatively unknown, uh, you know, he was a bad, he was a bad guy. And a pro- he was a proponent of colonial slavery. Bad oh,
2: guy. um, yeah.
1: I'm going to give him the worse than Columbus badge, because Columbus, his role is kind of overstated. Uh, Sepulveda's role is understated. Uh because Sepulveda actually defended enslaving the Native Americans saying that they were natural slaves as defined by Aristotle uh, and thus you know pretty bad guy really bad guy really 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 bad guy so Sepulveda, you're really bad and if you're listening yeah if you're if you're listening even though you died in 1573 bad guy uh regardless I don't know a song that we're going to exit on although today's a, rel- a certainly interesting episode uh, I'm gonna think I'm gonna think of a a song it should be a happy song shouldn't it uh, it should be a happy song but is it going to be a happy song is the question? Uh, nope, I don't really know any happy song. You know what? You know what? I have an idea. What's that? We should play Country Roads just because that's what people say when they have no idea what to play.
2: You're gonna get copyright claims.
1: Yeah, I know, but apparently YouTube has this agreement now where they just send all of our ad revenue to them, and I don't really need any money right now because I don't have a credit card connected to this anyways, so, you know, whatever.
2: We also cannot go anywhere to spend money.
1: Yeah, uh, this is also true. Unless I want to sell sell all my achievements on Steam, which I have done before. Uh, You can sell achievements for video games. That's a good way. You need money during the coronavirus outbreak, play an ungodly amount of video games and then sell your achievements. You can do that. It's a thing you can do. I'm sure you have at least one thing to do that's better than that. In fact, I hope you do. Uh, regardless, you know, thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Diatribe. Remember to like and subscribe and comment. And do all that jazz. Uh, we will see you, or rather, you will hear us tomorrow night, where we will discuss something more happy. And I will task Red with coming up with that happier topic. So,
2: oh, you're putting this on me, aren't now, aren't you?
1: Yes, that is exactly what I'm doing. I am shifting. Oh. I am shifting the burden. Here is the burden. I am shifting it right over to you. You coming. always do
2: this to me. You yes, always do this indeed. to me. That,
1: that is I, the the pusher of duty and burden. Regardless, it is time. We're just gonna play Country Roads. So let's just do that. That's an uplifting song. Remember to like, subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors. Actually, don't don't share it with your neighbors unless it's over email. But don't physically walk up to your neighbors and do that. Uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Dietribe. Di- Said it wrong either way. You will hear us tomorrow.
3: Almost heaven West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains Shenandoah River Life is old there, older than the trees Younger than